You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Late Kick is live. It is Thursday night, February 17th, the year of our Lord, 2022. We are jam-packed. We are high atop a very stormy and suddenly freezing cold downtown Nashville, Tennessee. We got a lot to talk about this evening. Transfer portal winners, maybe a whisper or two of some losers, but we're mainly hitting winners tonight. I'll tell you why. We had a little staff meeting about this. We can't do losers yet because transfer portal season is not totally done. We've got that whole post-spring period to where... You could be a loser now and become a winner. Well, we don't want to put the loser label out because then we have to go back and peel the label off and it's just, it becomes a big mess. Also, we are continuing the mood tracker tonight. We are headed to Fayetteville, Arkansas. Arkansas mood tracker time. We've got Jim Harbaugh with a restructured contract for the second time in a calendar year, basically. Jim Harbaugh restructuring his contract. Now that alone, pretty rare, but there's a lot of a lot of talk going on right now about certain aspects of this contract and not the fact that he's going to earn seven mil per year. Whomst among us wouldn't love that, but there is a lot of talk out there that I think is kind of overblown, to be real with you, about other aspects of that contract. I will detail. We've also got a brand new high profile name in the transfer portal. A lot of portaling tonight and a lot to discuss. Thank you so much for being with us. When did the chalice get moved? Oh, Wilt Fong had this thing earlier today. Looks pretty there, though. Colin, did you put that there? Looks really pretty. If you're listening on podcast, ignore everything I'm saying. Uh, make sure you're following on Twitter, at Late Kick Josh. I'm planning on doing some things with Twitter spaces in the very near future with some folks that you know and some names out there that you know. Look, I got to be real with you. I got to kind of apologize to start the show. Uh, we grade every show very harshly when it came to last show. I thought last show was one of the worst we've done in a long time. It was by no fault of the guy sitting on the other side of the wall. That's what's the worst about it. There's no one else to blame. It was just me. So I thought the last show sucked. So we're going to try and do a much better show for you tonight. Uh, there was no like single thing that stood out. It just, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. It was a tomato can be, a tomato can being dragged behind a car. And you know good and well what that looks like. So let's try and do better tonight, shall we? By we, I mean me. Transfer portal winners. A lot of them. Don't have losers yet because mind you, as I said, we still got the entire post-spring period with the transfer portal and whatnot. But there are a lot of teams to talk about here. And I want you to also think about some of these teams I'm going to mention and where they were last year and the addition, or in some cases, addition by subtraction that they've had, all this roster churn and where they could be this upcoming year. This is in no particular order, so this is not a one through five, but I do want to talk about Texas first because it could very well be argued that they added the most important piece out of the entire transfer portal season. I'm going to say something along the same lines about USC when we talk about Caleb Williams in a second. But you could just stop at Quinn Ewers. You could stop at the name Quinn Ewers because Texas added him. Top overall player from the previous recruiting cycle goes to Ohio State. It doesn't work out. And so now he's back in his home state and he's in Austin and almost certainly figures to be the starting quarterback there for Steve Sarkeesian. And this is all needing to be framed up with the backdrop of that leaked video from that bus ride back from I don't even remember which game it was when Bo Davis went off on that entire team, and I told you then, and I'm going to reiterate right now, every roster move that is made in Austin from that point up until kickoff of the 2022 college football season, I'm going to think about in those terms. Because it was obvious that day, 
And if it wasn't already obvious, Bo Davis just, he completely articulated it to you in his own unique way. We got guys on this team that don't need to be here. There are a lot of guys we do need that aren't here yet. It's going to be a totally different looking team in 2022. Well, now we're headed into spring of 2022 and we got guys like Quinn Ewers on campus. We've got several guys that have hit the exit door. We got other guys who have come in. You see, if you're watching on YouTube on the screen there, look, Jaleel Billingsley is a huge name that Steve Sarkeesian knows from his time at Bama. A lot was expected of him at Bama this past year. Didn't fulfill. It wouldn't be the first time we've seen a guy fall short of expectations one place and go somewhere else and shine. You just never know what factors are in play behind the scenes. But also, Isaiah Nayer, who was a, a four-star caliber wide receiver from Wyoming that I guarantee you folks in Austin know, but outside the general college football public, I think a bunch of folks know who Isaiah Nayer is right now. Uh, we had a, a halfway decent meeting today on just how to pronounce his name, you know? So there's a lot going on there, but I'm very excited as we get into spring. Not that it's the end all be all, but I'm very excited to get into spring and start reading, you know, some of those team insider reports from Chip Brown and the folks over at Horns 24-7, because you'll start to get an early feel, at least when it comes to team chemistry and the intangibles in the locker room, whether that staff feels like they've pushed the right buttons and they've overturned the proper stones to get the culture right. I mean, that's what really Bo Davis was talking about in that leaked video. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go find it. It's just culture. Culture, it wasn't good there last year. It's year one, you know, so it has happened before. Year two, that's where the history books tell you the greatest improvement's supposed to come. Well, if it does come, the players I just mentioned will be uh, in large part responsible for that. What about Alabama? I'm going to read you a number here, and it's going to make it sound like Alabama doesn't belong in this list. So Alabama looks like a typo, but it's real. They've seen 17 kids depart the program via the transfer portal. They've added three. So you say, well, that's a net loss of 14 players. How can they be a winner? Well, I'll tell you how. It's the old-fashioned quality over quantity here. A lot of those guys needed to move on. That's going to be the case every year at a place like Alabama. But Brandon Marcello is doing a feature for every conference right now. And he's doing the biggest winners in every conference. And in the SEC, I was reading his work on why he views Alabama as a transfer portal winner. The average player rating for the guys who hit the exit door was 86. The average player rating for the guys that came in is 96. That is a net addition of 10 full points in average player rating. Uh, that stuff matters. When we had Nick Saban on the show a couple of weeks ago, and I was asking him about the transfer portal, I told him, I'll say it again now, it seems like they use the transfer portal more out of luxury than necessity. They don't technically need Jameer Gibbs. It's just that they had the ability to add, in my opinion, the best player in the ACC from this past year. Eli Ricks, it's probably not life or death. They could take him or leave him. They got him as the top or one of the top overall rated defensive backs. And Jermaine Burton, you know, Alabama will be okay at receiver. They had the number one receiver class this time a year ago. But if we can go and we can take one of the overall most talented players at a position of need, even from the team that just beat us for the national championship, yeah, we'll do it. That's kind of the attitude around Alabama. Those are three bona fide surefire starters. They're all going to be future Sunday guys, and Alabama added them all. Let's stay in the SEC, but let's go over to the SEC East because this one, for my money, is probably one of the most interesting additions here. I think South Carolina's a big winner in the transfer portal. Now, this is one that may have been off your radar a little bit. Up until all of a sudden you saw the breaking news, whether it was on your iPhone or on the bottom line on ESPN or SEC Network, Spencer Rattler transferring. That's not a shocker. It was a shocker that he left Oklahoma for 
South Carolina with Austin Stogner, his tight end, shortly in tow behind him. That was a shocker. In fact, if you think about it, even when you include Caleb Williams or Jackson Dart, this was the biggest boom of the entire transfer portal cycle because it was the biggest surprise. You weren't shocked that Caleb Williams went to USC. You weren't shocked that Jackson Dart ended up at Ole Miss. Those were the betting favorites for those two. I don't think South Carolina was viewed as the betting favorite up to the morning of that announcement being made. But here is another very, very important factor, not just that they added critical players at critical positions in Columbia, but again, I go back to this stat that Marcelo had in the piece he did about the winners and losers. The average rating for a departing player at South Carolina was 84, a little over 84. The average rating for the guys they added was over 89. So again, you're losing guys, you're gaining guys. That doesn't tell the whole story. It's just not a net addition or subtraction in terms of raw numbers. What kind of quality are you leaving and bringing in? Well, South Carolina's on the plus side of that. So South Carolina is another transfer portal winner. Now we kick it all the way out west and we go to USC. Caleb Williams was easily the story of this cycle. Uh, and make no mistake about that. And it had a lot to do with how drawn out that entire process was. At the end of the day, he ends up going where most people expected him to go, aside from that Wisconsin drum beat that was faint for about five minutes. But Caleb Williams, being the story of the cycle, also led to other huge benefits out of the transfer portal for USC. You know all about Mario Williams. Like, I think it's huge that they added a running back the caliber of Travis Dye. You see him right there on the screen, and he's not even really the headliner. That's how deep and talented the transfer class is, and it's headlined by a guy like Caleb Williams. When I say a guy like Caleb Williams, there really aren't any others out there like him. So it's probably improper for me to phrase it that way. It's just, you can't overstate how big an impact this is. I don't even know how we figure the transfer portal rankings and overall team rankings. I would take whatever value I give a team for the top overall quarterback, and I would just double it or triple it, because that's the disproportionate impact that a player the caliber of Caleb Williams can have on a football game. I mean, think about the difference as opposed to having an average power five quarterback or average to slightly above average power five quarterback play and then replacing it with elite power five quarterback play, which they fully expect and should expect to get from Caleb Williams. It could be the difference in three or four or five games in the win-loss column in a normal college football season. So, yes, definitively, USC, one of the biggest winners out of the portal. And it's also one of the rosters just overall that's had the biggest churn. You're looking at our transfer portal team rankings right now on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. Yes, USC is ranked number one. But overall, just the quantity of players that they've seen both leave and enter, there's so much churn that can happen in this sport over the span of one, what a casual would refer to as offseason. Which brings me to the last team that I want to touch on. Because this is another story like that. See, at USC, yeah, there's a lot of churn, but that's to be expected when you have a new coaching staff in town. At Ole Miss, they don't have a new coaching staff in town. They have new assistants, but Lane Kiffin was the head coach at Ole Miss last year, just as he will be the head coach at Ole Miss this year. And yet they've had 15 guys leave. They've had 12 guys come in. So another inordinate chunk of a roster turns over and I want you to think about how amazing that is, that this is not even really the headline. The headline's about who they added. But imagine if I were to tell you in 2003, you know, you're just watching college football, and I said, you know, there's going to come a day where it's just going to be considered normal for a program to see 15 guys transfer out, 
then it's going to kind of be okay. In fact, you're even going to be excited about it because 12 more guys are going to come in and you're going to think that you got the better end of the stick. Like in what world are you going to have 15 guys transfer and say, yep, we won. Well, Ole Miss is saying that right now and they got good reason. Another stat from Marcelo here, really, really good and important to note because not only did you add Jackson Dart, quarterback, not only did you add Zach Evans, a high caliber running back with a lot of a lot of the caveats that used to be around his name that dealt more neck up and off the field than neck down on field, kind of by the wayside now, you have a dynamic talent there. Not only do you have those names, but I want you to look at the list. Or if you're listening on pod, I want you to listen to this stat from Marcelo. Nine of the 12 that they've added at Ole Miss from the transfer portal ranked among the seven best at their position. So they got quality and quantity there. But Texas, Bama, South Carolina, Southern Cal, Ole Miss, those are some of the early winners. Now, here's what could happen, and this is why we kind of table this conversation. We're about to get into spring ball, and we've got another name to talk about a little bit later in the show that is just now entered the portal today, but we're about to get into the spring ball, and then when we come out of spring ball, there'll be another wave of transfers. And as we saw last year, I think I remember Georgia making some moves post-spring last year to shore up some perceived weaknesses for the team. And you had a bunch of articles and preview magazines were already kind of starting to be printed. And all of a sudden you've got question marks that aren't question marks anymore. So just have your opinions, make sure they're written in pencil. And if you fancy yourself a hardcore fan of this sport, and especially if you bet this sport, this is where you win. This is when you decide whether you're gonna go 52 or 57% against the spread this fall. When you're keeping track in February and March of things like Ole Miss adding nine of 12 guys that ranked seven or better at the position, and they're all positions of need, that's the kind of stuff that's very important to know. I'm not guaranteeing that's going to win something for you. I am guaranteeing it's going to put you in a better position. I did some work today for you. I told you last show I thought was horrible, so I felt like I owed you a little bit more than just a show today. And so I haven't told Jesse and Colin, I hadn't told you guys about this yet. Don't worry, you don't need to do anything. You know it's real when I snap the paper in the microphone, though. I wrote a poem for the show and for the audience. It's the first time I've shared my poetry and really kind of shared this portion of my heart with you. <clears throat> Roses are red. Violets are blue. Colin broke an office door today. Shop at Academy. The end. Thank you. I can hear the applause from uh, behind the wall there. Uh, that is a very, very clever, at least I thought in my mind, a clever segue to get into the ad read. Again, without you being aware, Jesse tells me it's stupid to pretend that people aren't aware we're getting into the ad read, even though it's placed at the same point in the show. I just tell him that's a challenge I'm willing to embrace. What also I am willing to embrace is the weather we had today, for example, in Nashville. The high today was in the 70s, the low tonight will be in the 20s, which means there are multiple forms of outerwear that are needed based on what time of day you're walking outside. That I can't change. What I can do is I can tell you they have everything you need at Academy Sports and Outdoors, whether they're long sleeves, short sleeves, white t-shirt, I guarantee you they have those there. But also, this is the time of year where a lot of you are on the fence. Let's just be real with ourselves. A lot of you are on the fence about whether to get involved in some form of outdoor recreational activity this spring. Let me be the first, but hopefully not the last, to encourage you. Yes, do it. And then there's the ellipsis, the dot, 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 next line, after you go to Academy to fully equip yourself. 
Like I said in another context a few minutes ago, I cannot guarantee you that going to academy will make you better. I can guarantee you it won't make you worse. And you'll be cool. Like we'll think more highly of you as an audience member around here. So Academy Sports and Outdoors or Academy.com. Told you the other day they got kayaks. Up to and including kayaks on Academy.com. Academy uh, Sports and Outdoors, our exclusive partner. We thank them so much for being a part of the show. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So we normally put viewer questions and answers at the very end of the show, but there was one today. In fact, there were like 50. We're just going to choose one random one. There was a question today in the Late Kick Inbox that was so important, I felt like we needed to get to it right here. And it has to do with a major name that entered the transfer portal today. I think a lot of you probably aren't aware of this. A lot of you have lives to live and you're not following Pac-12 football probably very closely, and especially in the transfer portal this time of year. That's why we're here. So first, let me show you the tweet. This is from James. He says, what are your thoughts on Arizona State QB Jaden Daniels entering the transfer portal? Now, knowing our audience, like I think I do, a lot of you already know who Jaden Daniels is. And then there's another portion that said, Jaden Daniels, I know that name. Where do I know that name from? Well, you know his name because he started as a true freshman at Arizona State. It didn't do a whole lot to write home about this past year. Neither did the program. In fact, the program is in tatters. We will talk more about that momentarily. But here's what we know. Okay, so there's the tweet. Here's what we know. SunDevilSource.com, which is the 24-7 Arizona State site, they reported earlier today we expect him, him being Jaden Daniels, to be in the portal by the end of the day. Chris Hummer and company, they have since confirmed he is in the transfer portal. People close to him, this again, according to sundevilsource.com, people close to Jaden Daniels had been shopping his name kind of quietly, although I can tell you confidently some people in the industry knew about this, but they had been shopping his name around to various Power 5 schools, including multiple Pac-12 schools, to try and gauge the interest. Let's see what the market's like out there. You should also know, or remember rather, that on December 2nd, which is my mom's birthday, which is probably why we were all distracted, you may have missed that Jaden Daniels posted a video saying, I'm going to be here, you know, I'm staying, I'm, I'm coming back this year. And that was, what, all of two months ago, but so much has changed since then because there's all kinds of turnover. The worst kind, even more bad than turning it over in a football game, is the kind of turnover going on behind the scenes at Arizona State. Remember what it was like in August? Remember when all of that mess was going on and, I think we did three or four shows in a row where we did a segment on Arizona State, and it was all revolving around whether Herm Edwards and his staff were going to be shown the door. And it didn't happen immediately. 
It slowly started to happen one by one now, but Herm Edwards still has his job, at least as of tonight. I, I've had multiple coaches, actual coaches, ask me, hey, what's happening with Herm? Which, which stands to reason there's just as big a question mark over some folks in the coaching community as there has been for a while amongst us here in whatever community you want to call this. I think we have our own little community over here. People are dumbfounded how Herm still has his job. Most folks love Herm Edwards as a dude, up to and including us, but there were some heavy allegations that were thrown towards Arizona State, and the reason why you know there's validity is because multiple staffers have lost their jobs. Like, everyone in the orbit is gone, but the center of that universe is still there. Well, Jaden Daniels has observed all that. Also, Paul Tyson, who was a backup quarterback at Alabama, he's transferred in, and so all that's been happening, sort of off the national radar. I mean, we had the playoffs and bowl season, title game, Christmas, New Year's. So a lot of this has been happening sort of over here on a side stage. Well, now it's thrust back into the forefront because it's a little bit quieter and it's February. And now we got a big name late in transfer portal season that has entered the portal. He is attempting to portal, which is now a verb, as we have concluded. What kind of player is Jaden Daniels? A lot of you out there may be in the market for a quarterback, so what kind of player is Jaden Daniels? Well, I will tell you that there is a sharp divide on the answer to that question. There are some out there whose opinions that you would probably trust if you knew who I was talking about, who would tell you he is an overrated player, the game does not match the reputation, maybe, that's out there about him, and they would also tell you that while he does have some elite upside about him and some elite traits maybe about him, the risk does not match the reward that makes it worth it to pursue him. That's one camp. I want to quickly follow it up with what another camp of very reputable people would tell you. They would listen to camp one and then they would retort with, how could you possibly know what this kid's capable of? At what part of Arizona State football has been conducive to producing the best in someone? and to squeezing out every ounce of potential from a quarterback or a player in general, they would tell you, if this guy lands in the right spot, he will explode this upcoming year. Obviously, Jaden Daniels may think that, but there are some people out there with opinions I would trust and lean on that believe that too. So there's a sharp divide on what kind of player he is. But I do want to make mention of something. If you've been following the story today, you probably have already seen this. Uh, we're not going to show you the video, but... Remember the old Bull, uh, who was it? Yeah, it was Bo Callahan. The old Bo Callahan protocol from the movie Draft Day, where Kevin Costner, you know, the entire future of the Cleveland Browns franchise is riding on who they're going to draft number one overall. And it's Khalil Mack, no matter what. I mean, as it turns out, spoiler alert. But Bo Callahan is the big time quarterback, and he calls Bo Callahan in his draft day, and he says, <clears throat> Bo, why didn't your teammates come to your birthday party? Because that is what the research had told Kevin Costner was the red flag. Bo Callahan's friends and his teammates didn't come to his birthday party. Uh-oh. Well, I'm perusing the internet as I'm getting ready for the show, and there is a video that has been publicized from some of the players in the Arizona State locker room who have taken it upon themselves to clean out Jaden Daniels' locker. How should I put this? They didn't seem very somber in nature as they cleaned his locker out. So, what am I to make of that? I don't know. Uh, we can conclude definitively from that that there were more than a few players in said locker room that 
Weren't exactly heartbroken to see Jaden Daniels go. Could be sour grapes. Could be that there was some friction behind the scenes. Could be whatever you want it to be at this point. It really depends on how much stock you put in the Bo Callahan protocol. We move on. Where's he going to go? That's what everyone wants to know. There's some UCLA buzz. We don't know how long this process is going to take. You know, it's unlike when you go into the portal in December and you know, hey, I can drag this out into January. I can pull a Caleb Williams. You know, I could seemingly string folks along. I don't really know if that's what Caleb Williams did, but it, I sure felt strung along. Man, it was, it was a tense few weeks for us. But that's then. This is now. Teams are getting ready for spring practice. So you got to get something figured out pretty quick. And it stands to reason if behind the scenes they were shopping him already, and by shopping I just mean doing their due diligence and finding out where there may be an opportunity, they probably got it narrowed down. They're probably well ahead of the curve, and we're just now finding out about it. But there you go. How about that? Jaden Daniels in the transfer portal today, and we will keep you updated on the very latest. There was other news this morning that I, I think was obviously expected, but let's talk about it here. Colin, I think this is a better endpoint for you. Jim Harbaugh has a new contract. Where have you heard that before? Well, probably on this show about this time one year ago. And it's not that he's got a totally new contract. It's that he's got a restructured contract. So let's get you up to speed. Like, what has happened here? If you've been, I don't know, on some two-month cruise, well, it's been a very, very interesting last year, actually. So let's make it a year-long cruise. And congratulations to you. I don't know what contest you won. Coming out of 2020, I mean, December, January of 2020, it is literally 50-50 whether this guy's going to keep his job. He could walk away. He could be fired. Who knows? Well, we all know how that ended. Jim Harbaugh and Michigan, they agreed to a restructured contract. He takes a reduced salary, and essentially it was, we're looking at Jim and saying, we don't want you to go, but if you stay here, some changes are going to have to be made because we got to toss some red meat over here to the folks who do want you gone. Jim Harbaugh agreed to it. Okay. All that followed was the best season he's had at Michigan to date, and they win the Big Ten, and they go to the college football playoff. You see the video here, shot exclusively on the eye, Josh, right there in the snow in front of God and everyone after they beat Ohio State. Well... We also remember what happened after the Big Ten championship game, and then they, they lose in the playoff, but they made the playoff. Well, then he tries to go get the Vikings job. I'll give him credit. He has spoken since then and said, I don't apologize for trying to do that. Now, you know on this show, we didn't necessarily question that. I mean, a guy can do whatever he wants to. It's his life. I was echoing the sentiment of some people in the uh, administrative and entertainment-based portion of our industry who had told me the big surprise was he actually allowed a public interview to be had. Normally, that's not the way it works at that level. So be that as it may, that's the way it turned out. Well, then he doesn't get the job. And he comes back, and now here we are for the second time in a little over a year, Jim Harbaugh in Michigan, headline again, they have agreed to a restructured contract. Only this time, Jim Harbaugh is the beneficiary because he's getting more money instead of less money. So here are the quick details, and then I'm going to tell you why some of this is very overblown, at least in my mind. A little over $7 million a year. That is the average salary, or that's the salary per year. So a little over seven a year. Now, there are some incentives here. Uh, he gets $500,000 for winning the division, gets a million if they win the Big Ten, $200K if they appear in a New Year's Six game, half a million if he makes the playoff, and $1 million if he wins the national title. He gets as much money for winning the Big Ten as he does the national title, by the way. I don't have a problem with that. It's just an interesting incentive structure. By far, the most notable part of this restructured contract was the buyout. 
There's a lot being made about this buyout. And to be clear, here's what the buyout is. It's $3 million in year one, and it reduces by $750,000 every year. That's not a whole lot of money. I um, don't know if you're aware of that, but yeah, let me sit here and tell you, wearing the same white t-shirt every week. Three million, not a lot of money at all. What am I gonna eat tonight? What flavor of ramen noodles will I eat tonight? But yeah, three mil, not a whole lot of money. In this world, I'm serious, it's not a lot of money. Now, a lot has been made, as I said, of how low that number is. And I really couldn't care less about it for a couple of reasons. So I want you to follow me here because on the surface, if someone were to tell you, ooh, man, that buyout number's really low. So first off, it's gonna be really easy for him to leave if someone wants him. And B, boy, that negative recruiting. Because someone's gonna come in that living room and that four-star wide receiver from Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and they're gonna say, your coach has a very low buyout. Are you confident he's gonna be there in four years? Are you really that confident? I'll tell you a couple of things that people really didn't do. And uh, they're called do and diligence. And what I mean by that is, did anyone even go so far as to take Jim Harbaugh's buyout and compare it to other coaches in America? Or even the Big Ten? I think you'd be shocked at what you'd find. But I'm not here to do that because we did not prepare that graphic. My fault. So what I am here to do is I'm here to tell you there are two other reasons why I don't really care about Jim Harbaugh's buyout. And I don't think it's really going to affect much of anything. It's probably a February headline that will be up in smoke by the time spring practice opens. Firstly, does anyone around here know what the main purpose of a college football buyout in a coach's contract is for? It ain't to keep you from going to the NFL. Let me spoil it for you. It's to keep you away from other college jobs. Everybody knows the billions, with a B, that the NFL is worth and a lot of those franchises are worth. Everybody knows that. There is no NFL franchise that would be deterred, whether Jim Harbaugh's buyout was $3 million or $8 million. Nobody's going to be turned away if they want him to be their coach because of what number the buyout is. Secondly, let's talk about the college level. On what planet is Jim Harbaugh leaving Michigan for another college job? Not this one. And this is the only one I plan on living on and he plans on living on. Jim Harbaugh's not taking another college job. And if he wants to go to the NFL, it doesn't matter what the buyout is anyway, his buyout is probably one of the most irrelevant in all of major college football. So push that to the side. I don't really care about that. I am particularly interested in a lot of folks who think this is going to impact the program in terms of negative recruiting. Because I'll tell you, I think that's pretty irrelevant too. First thing I'd do if I were Jim Harbaugh is I would, I'd probably be blunt and I'd say exactly what I just said. Second thing I would say is, uh, the coach is telling you that. What are their buyouts? What's their history? You pulled up their Wikipedia? Have they been at the same job for 20 years? But you could have always said that. What about this added caveat that you can put, kind of a carrot on the end of the stick? Do you understand how irrelevant the transfer portal really makes this now? Do you understand that when a recruit comes to a program, even the ones who are wired correctly, they walk in the program, the door doesn't close. The door over here with the exit above it, that's the way recruiting works now. You walk in through the same door you've always walked in through, the difference is the door doesn't shut. It just stays open there. Now maybe you never go back out, but you always know when you walk in, if I don't like it in this room, or if anything happens in this room that doesn't sit well with me, there's the door. It's gonna be just as easy to go out as it was to come in. And so if I'm a player, if I am said four-star receiver in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and I'm set on Michigan, or even I'm 60-40, 55-45 in favor of Michigan, there's no one that's about to turn me off from making that decision because they tell me about my potential head coach's buyout. This stuff's very overblown to me. I challenge you. Now, I could be wrong, who knows, but I challenge anyone 
over the next recruiting calendar year to go find me a kid, whether it's publicized or behind the scenes, that you truly think Michigan missed out on because someone negative recruited and they specifically used Harbaugh's buyout figure. And that truly carried weight in the living room to the point where it deterred a kid from going to Michigan. I think it's overblown. I don't think that's the way that's going to happen. We move on. Mood tracker time. This is a mood tracker that I've been looking forward to getting to. So the mood tracker tonight takes us to Fayetteville, Arkansas. Arkansas is one of our most loyal viewer bases on this entire show. We absolutely love the Arkansas Razorback fan base. We have not been to a game in Fayetteville. That's on us. That is a character flaw for the show. It's not their fault. It's our fault. It's not them. It's us. But let's talk about the mood tracker tonight. To be clear, this is just us taking a thermometer and sticking it right in the middle of the fan base. Not sure which orifice. Not important right now in the grand scheme of things. What is the temperature in Fayetteville, Arkansas? This program, this Arkansas program, is the poster child for why we do the mood tracker segment. And I'm going to tell you why. It helps to see things from the fan base's point of view, but it also it helps to see through one of the big lies in college football. We just talked about this 48 hours ago. One of the big lies. In fact, the biggest lie in college football is you are what your record says you are. Well, if you don't believe that, let's take a look at Arkansas. Arkansas, the you are what your record tells you are crowd, would classify as a four-loss team. They just lost four games in the regular season. They finished nine and four. Now, four losses is nothing to write home about, right? I mean, that's a, that's a middle-of-the-road program. Uh, they don't take into account strength of schedule. They don't take into account program expectation level or where they are in the overall kind of arc of if you're building a program, if you've had sustained excellence already, there's a lot of context that has to be included after you give me your win-loss record. Not to mention, if you look at the schedule here on YouTube, you played Texas before Texas knew they were subpar. Uh, you played Georgia. You played A&M. You played Ole Miss. You played Auburn. You had to play Bama. At LSU, it's a ridiculous schedule. They went nine and four. Okay, but let's ignore all that. Let's just go back to the you are what your record says you are crowd. How do you square a four-loss team with the mood around Arkansas? I went over on hogsports.com, hog with a W, earlier today, and I hit up our friends over there, and I said, you got to fill in the blank for me. You know the drill. My current mood towards Arkansas football is what? Now, these are not outsider opinions. These are the opinions of Arkansas fans. These are some of the answers I got. Excited, confident, electric, aggressive, optimistic. That one was too sexual. That one was too sexual. Okay, so the rest of them are too sexual. The point is, they're really, really excited in Fayetteville about the future of Arkansas football. I went four pages on that thread. I didn't get a single negative response. The worst was like cautiously optimistic. So you tell me. If you are what your record says you are, and this team just dropped four games, why is there unbridled excitement, the likes of which you only find normally in the corners of the SEC that rhyme with Buscaloosa and, and Fathens? It's because they know what they have. And I want you to think about the combination of what they have. Because they've got a combination of three things there. In Arkansas, it's pretty rare. You don't find this very often in college football. They're getting what they want with who they want, and they're doing it the way they want. How many programs can say that? In all of college football, how many programs can honestly say they're getting what they want and they're doing it with who they want at the helm and they're also doing it the way they want to? That's Arkansas football right now. You want to know why they're so excited? You want to know why the mood up there ranges from electric to optimistic to aggressive to some things I can't say on air? It's because they have all those three boxes checked. But here's what else you need to know. 
because you may just live in St. Paul, Minnesota, and you're a Big Ten fan, and you've seen a couple of Arkansas games, but you really don't get what all this noise about Sam Pittman and Arkansas. What is this all about? Well, I'll tell you. It's very much a case-by-case basis when a local fan base is excited about their program. Because sometimes it's pure bluster. You know, sometimes it's, it's blind faith and it's just blind hope because what's the alternative? You know, so they know what the alternative is. And so they're just buying in. They're hoping against hope. This is not that. This is not blind confidence. The traction at Arkansas, the energy at Arkansas, it's real. And it's real, but the national public is going to be a long way behind the Arkansas fan base in realizing why. This is very much going to be a tail wagging the dog situation. Arkansas fans knew early on what they had. Arkansas folks know good and well what they have. And like I said, they got what they want and they got who they want and they're doing it the way they want. The rest of the country is going to be slow to come around, whether it be media or just casual college football fans because of the unconventional nature of the hire. Most people, even though we're a couple, three years in now at this point, most people haven't gotten over Sam Pittman having an opportunity to be a head coach. Now, Arkansas fans actually may think I'm wrong about that, but I got a pretty good gauge on the rest of the nation. Believe it or not, there's some people who still aren't sold on Sam Pittman. You guys are, of course, as you should be. You're in Jonesboro. You get it. You're in, uh, I don't know, uh, Tempe, Arizona, maybe not quite yet, because Sam Pittman has never graced one of those head coaching power rating lists. Whenever you saw the hot candidates out there a few years ago when all those jobs were open, Sam Pittman's name wasn't on any of them, and yet, boom, he gets an SEC job. So the next thing people say is, well, he's obviously going to be overwhelmed. I mean, he's not even been a coordinator. What, an offensive line coach? is going to go up against the likes of Nick Saban and who at the time, Ed Orgeron and and Jimbo Fisher. Well, uh, the answer is, yep, that's pretty much what he's done. Some of those coaches aren't around anymore. Sam Pittman is, and I think he will be for a while. They at Arkansas have something that's intangible in nature. So I'll try to explain it as best I can. Arkansas is going to continue to probably ascend because Arkansas is going to contend. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll call them contenders. That's fine. So we'll go with that. Arkansas and Sam Pittman are going to continue to ascend because they're going to continue to have what I call the winning 10. You take everything it takes to win in college football. You take nutrition, strength and conditioning, uh, the coaching staff, uh, proper development, both neck up and neck down. Then you got to execute and you got to have good play calling. But even if you add all of those elements up, it only equals about 90%. There's this other 10% in this sport and it bothers people so much. It bothers the stat crowd. They can't explain it because you can't quantify it. There is no metric you can put on it, but everybody who's played and everyone who's coached knows exactly what I'm talking about. There is something that makes up the the final 10% of your program. It can be rotten or it can be golden. A lot of people think it's luck. It's not luck. It's why the same programs continue to seemingly get lucky and, and some other programs continue to suffer from bad luck. It's not luck. It's just not quantifiable. But there is an it factor in the way you go about building a culture. There's an it factor that is baked into the foundation on which your program's built. Arkansas's got it. So that final 10%, whatever that it is, they've got it at Arkansas. And it's not going anywhere because they're already in the building phase. They've already gotten past the the foundation laying. Now we just kind of find out what house they're going to build on it. So if you wanted to know my mood on Arkansas, I would call it kind of dreaming, but designing as well. Anybody can dream. The easiest thing in the world to do is have goals. Do you have a rock solid plan in place to achieve them? 
Like, do you have something that I could look at on a piece of paper and say, oh, actually, that makes sense. They've got that at Arkansas right now. And they're also a winner in the transfer portal. We did a segment earlier tonight. You know, when we do the final transfer portal winners and losers, I'm fully confident Arkansas is going to be on there because I don't really think they're done yet, uh, to be honest with you. So I think that we're going to wait until post-spring to talk about them. But you look at the portal editions already on your screen right now. Drew Sanders? Drew Sanders was starting for Alabama last year. The only reason he's not starting there still is because he got banged up and it just so happened that they had a complete freak by the name of Dallas Turner on the sideline and took his place. There's only one program in America where Drew Sanders would have lost his job and ended up transferring from, and that's Alabama. Arkansas got one of the better players in the country in Drew Sanders. Make no mistake about that. It's not spoiled or damaged goods or anything like that. It was a unique situation. Where did the kid choose to go? He didn't choose to go to one of the perceived perennial powerhouses. He went to Arkansas. Jaden Hazelwood could have gone a number of places. He went to Arkansas. A lot of those guys are choosing Arkansas. Coaches are choosing to remain at Arkansas. And look, even if and when they eventually lose some, that's going to be a destination, a very secret one. Like I said, college football public's going to be slow to come around on Arkansas. That place is becoming a destination for players and for coaches. When you've got that in place, you've got that magic formula to finish that final 10% that it takes to be a long-term sustained winner in this sport. They've got it. And, um, you know, Sam Pittman in the, in the summer months, instead of going on the clinic circuit, he ought to just do final 10% talks. That's what he ought to do. Start a YouTube channel, Sam, if you need an extra ten or $20,000 a year. All right, that's, uh, that's our show for tonight. So appreciate you watching. Make sure that you subscribe to the channel. We, this time of year, you know, the numbers dip for obvious reasons. So make sure if you haven't already, it's free. Subscribe to the channel and uh, five-star reviews on the podcast. Those are the two things we always ask for. And then if you like the video, I wouldn't be upset by that. But subscriptions, five-star reviews on the pod. Appreciate you guys so much for Direct Colin, for Producer Jesse. I'm Josh Pate and the production executives. We're out of here. Have yourselves a great start to the weekend. We'll see you again here same time Sunday night. God bless.